This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and everyone always tells me that I'm a great promoter and that I really understand PR, so I thought it would be exciting to interview one of the best in the biz and the doyen of one of the most famous PR companies in the world. She's beautiful, bright, and a fascinating and beyond successful female entrepreneur. She often graces the covers and feature articles of many glossy magazines, But even though she's a celebrity who we often see out there with the glitterati and the paparazzi, she's also a private person and very protective of her privacy. And I think she's truly found a balance. We're going to find out more, but figuring it all out. And I believe that she is truly living her bliss. I'm delighted to introduce you all to Natasha Kaufman, the president and founder of NKPR. And that's a full service public relations advertising, talent, marketing, and digital agency. And I just want to tell you a little bit more about our exclusive celebrity guest today. So Natasha created NKPR in 2002 in order to combine her two passions, shining a spotlight on stories of substance and supporting causes that are making a difference all over the world. Under Natasha's expert guidance and leadership, NKPR has established itself as a highly regarded full-service public relations, artist management, and digital agency with offices in Toronto and New York, and I believe she also spends some time in LA, with experience representing over 40 diverse national and international brands, including Mountain Equipment Co-op, Swarovski, TD, Shell Canada, Tim Hortons, Lanterra Developments, Urban Barn, and Lightspeed. She is the winner of the 2015 and the 2017 WXN Canada's Most Powerful Women Top 100 Award. And she was selected as one of the most innovative people in North America by BizBash. Natasha is also at the forefront of the industry, bringing her clients 360-degree borderless approaches to public relations with results-driven tactics from event management to media relations, clienteling, creative services, and crisis management. NKPR was the first PR agency in Canada to be verified on Instagram and Twitter. And for those of you who don't know what that means, that means that the platform has verified the authentic presence of the celebrity public figure or global brand that it represents. And of course, in this case, it's Natasha Kaufman. And it is a real coup. She was also one of the first to adapt social media strategies into her service offerings back in 2009. Natasha also launched a real estate division in 2019 to address an opportunity in the market, working with developers to create buzz and ultimately drive sales for their new projects. One of my favorite parts of her CV is that during TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival, Natasha was among the first to create celebrity gifting suites and festival experiences more than 15 years ago, which really was evolving the concept in 2016 in partnership with the Property Brothers to launch It House by Producers Ball, which is kind of the event of the year 
with new rising talent and an experiential destination experience featuring a celebrity portrait studio, industry panels, and unique brand activations. Natasha is also dedicated to social responsibility. In fact, I think she even looks for clients that are socially responsible. And she really gives back to those in need believing that public relations can help forge meaningful relationships between the public and the not-for-profit sector. She acts as a chair for the Board of Artists for Peace and Justice Canada, launching the annual APJ Cala, which we'll talk about during TIFF, to help raise over $30 million to support education in Haiti, working with a star-studded team, including, get this, Ben Stiller and Susan Sarandon. Natasha also sits on the board of St. Felix Center, and she's championed cause-related initiatives for organizations like Girls 20, Best Buddies, Camp Uch Gias, also known as Camp Uch, Dogtails, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Boys and Girls Club of Canada, it goes on and on. Natasha also did a TEDx talk recently on the importance of showing up for others. That's a huge thing for us on the show is showing up. And she's regularly called upon in leading media publications to comment on a range of topics, including popular culture, the retail landscape, marketing, mergers and acquisitions. Wow. In the fashion and beauty industries, public image and philanthropy. She's recently, and this is just recently, there's lots of press on Natasha. I've been reading about her for days. But in addition, recently, she has been featured in Vogue Business, Women's Wear Daily, The Globe and Mail, BNN, Entertainment Tonight Canada, and CP24. Natasha splits her time between her homes in Toronto, New York, and Los Angeles. Natasha Kaufman, longest bio ever. I know. I was just thinking, I was like, oh my God, I'm getting tired of me at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Finding Your Bliss. (laughs) So great to have you here. Thank you. I love that you created NKPR from your basement in 2002, really to combine your two passions, sharing stories of substance and supporting causes that are making a difference around the world. And I want to hear all about your company and how you went from being a PR executive to a venture capitalist. But I first want to start at the beginning. What a journey you have taken since you were a little girl. You were born in the Ukraine and you moved to Canada when you were only five years old. What was that like for you? And what are your memories of coming to this country and probably even having to learn a new language as a little girl? Thank you. First of all, thank you for having me. I love your show. And uh, I love that we started this taking a deep breath because we don't do that enough. We don't pause enough. We're always running. You're 100% right. So thank you for that. Um, My earliest memories would be of immigrating to Edmonton because we went from uh, Kiev to Rome to Edmonton. And I just remember, you're right, not knowing the language not knowing really where we were even because I was so little. But I remember at the time, and I spoke about this when I did my TED Talk, is folks from like the United Jewish Appeal, like different charitable organizations came to greet us, came to visit us, um, provided us with clothes, provided us with food. They came to see us on a daily basis, really gave us the lay of the land. And I often get asked, Why am I so philanthropic now? And it is because my earliest memories are of people giving back so selflessly. And so for me, even though you think that when you're five or six, do you retain any of that? But somehow you do, because the person I am today, I think is definitely in part because of those early memories of strangers coming to give of themselves 
to people they didn't really know to help them acclimatize to a new country. Wow. You really have a fascinating past, Natasha. You worked as a young girl in the retail industry at a store called Mendicino. I remember that story very well. Great place. While juggling school at the same time. And you had a son at the age of 18 and you wanted to give him a wonderful life, which you have done. How did you parlay working at Mendicino into your first job in a public relations firm? Well, for me, I was 18 when I had Justin and I very much knew that I didn't know what I didn't know. (laughs) And I think that for me, it was very much about whatever it is I'm going to do with my life. I want to make sure that he's proud of me. That was really important for me. That was the anchor and the compass uh, that helped guide and direct me to any decision that I was making. And so that was really the guiding principle. When I was working at Mendocino, what I knew was I needed to work hard because I watched my parents when we moved to a new country work hard. And so I had the foundation of work ethic and working hard and knowing that I wanted, to your point, I wanted to provide the best life for my son that I possibly could. Also recognizing that at 18, 19, 20, I had limited tools to be able to do that. But again, what I knew from a foundational standpoint was I wanted him to be proud of me. So every decision I made, whether, you know, when I was working at Mendocino, when I moved to New York, when I moved back to Toronto and got into PR, it was rounded in, will he be proud of me? Is this a job opportunity that I can be proud of and therefore he can be proud of? And so that was how I made my decisions when I really didn't have all the tools in my toolbox that I certainly do now, you know, 30 years later. But at the time, it was that compass, the guiding compass. And I think we all need that. Why are you making the decisions that you're making? We often don't ask the why. Why? Mm -hmm. And so if you can answer the why, it might help guide you a little bit better. That's so smart. It's so true. The why is your purpose, your calling, your bliss, your dharma, your enlightenment. And when you can get plugged into that, that's such a phenomenal start. It really is such a great springboard. So you're working at this PR company. You're like a dynamo already. This young, beautiful girl with a child, school, work, making it all happen. In fact, I think when you have a lot on your plate, you do get a lot more accomplished than people who have nothing to do, right? And you had an epiphany. If you were making millions of dollars for someone else's company, imagine what you could do with your own company and brands that you handpicked yourself. So how did this dream go from working as an employee of a PR company to starting what has been like a mega successful, huge empire of yours? So the epiphany was not, I could be making millions of dollars. I think that when money is the driver I I don't think that's healthy. I think you have to have a healthy relationship with money because you're going to make it, you're going to spend it, you're going to lose it, you're going to give it away. So I think Mm -hmm. that there has to be sort of a healthy relationship with that. Uh, For me, it was more about, I want to pick and choose who I work with and what I work on. In PR, it's so personal. And so I want to make sure that I'm passionate about what we were promoting. When I started my own company, I honestly was not thinking it's going to be a company. I was thinking, I just got a new puppy. I was uh, going to free one. I was like, this is great. I'm going to work on one or two accounts that I'm really excited about. Um, I've just got a puppy and I'll work from home. And then what happened was, and it's interesting when you think about destiny, because your destiny finds you, but you need to do the work to get there. And I remember I was about five to six months into having my own you know, company, if you want to call it that. It was me and I worked on two accounts. And I ended up getting a call from CIBC. And that was an account that I worked on um, at the ad agency that I was at before. And um, Sarah Sayso, who's their director of marketing at the time, called me up and she said, and it was December 
It might have been December 23rd. It was the day before Christmas. And she said, listen, and she was um, very straightforward. Uh, anybody that knows Sarah knows how she is. She's like, listen, I need a press conference in about nine days. It's going to be in Montreal and I want you to do it. Um, so yes or no. <laughs> and it was in Montreal. And I just remember at the time and I was walking my dog and I was scared because I'm thinking it's during Christmas. It's in Montreal. So it's like doing an event in Quebec is like doing an event in a totally different country, even though it's just a province yes. five hours away. Yes. But I remember the feeling of fear and thinking, can I do this? And I said to her, I said, can I call you back? And I, for about 20, 30 minutes, I I was thinking about it. I'm like, I don't think I can do this. Can I do this? And as women, there's a lot of self-doubt always. A man probably would have said, absolutely, I can do it. And he'd figure it out. As a woman, and I think women do this, they're always second-guessing themselves. Yes. And so the lesson for me there was, I called her up 30 minutes later and I said, absolutely, I'm going to do this. And you figure it out. And then the event was successful. The press conference was a big success. And what happened after that was within six months, I became their agency of record. I was able to hire five or six employees. We started developing their entire marketing strategy to support their philanthropic uh, strategy. And so it became one of my biggest clients within those first four years. And it's interesting because I have a tattoo on my forearm that says, be brave. And I got it done shortly after that because it's a reminder that when you feel fear, you have to work through it and you have to be brave and you have to say yes, because fear Mm -hmm. is often growth. Absolutely. And that's when I grew. And that was probably a big pivotal time for me and for the agency because that gave me the confidence and the opportunity to turn, you know, two clients into three, three clients into five, five into eight. And that's how the agency grew. You say that part of the secret to your success is the five C's. So culture, dedication to a cause, staying connected to your clients and each other and the world around us, which I so get, commitment to doing good work and creativity through strategies and campaigns. Tell us more because I think it's more than the five C's that Natasha Kaufman is just like soaring. Well, cause and connection are super important. If you're not connected to what you're doing and who you're working with, and what you're working on, then why are you doing it? It goes back to purpose. And cause mm-hmm. for me is very much grounded in, uh, and I always believed this as soon as I could believe anything, was I want to leave this world a better place than I came into it. I think that is our duty, our obligation, and our privilege for being on this planet. And so that's one of the reasons why when we're choosing the clients that we're going to work with, we want to ensure that there is a common alignment when it comes to cause. And it's one of the reasons why when you look at what we've done with Artists for Peace and Justice, and I get asked about this a lot, like why Artists for Peace and Justice and why Haiti? Because we've helped raise over $33 million. And my response is always because I committed to it. I made a decision, you know, for a decade ago that we are going to help the people of Haiti after they were in a country that was already so devastated before the earthquake and certainly after the earthquake, even more so. I made a commitment and that means something. And commitment is another C. I just feel like that's what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to, if we're in a position to make a meaningful impact in someone else's life, then we should be doing that. That's so fantastic. And you work with Ben Stiller and Susan Sarandon, have worked with them on this initiative. Can you tell us about that and what they're like to work with on this? Yeah, I mean, they're both incredible. I've done a few trips to Haiti now with both Ben and Susan. They just give their time and their money so selflessly. 
Ben, as an example, in the early days of Artists for Peace and Justice, he had paid for any operational costs for the organization so that all the money that we raise can actually go back to fund our school. He's funded a wing at the school through St. Luke's Foundation. You know, when you think about celebrity and you think about celebrities that give back to causes, sometimes there is this feeling that, well, do they really? Well, I can assure you they really do. In this case of, you know, Susan and Ben, they support Artists for Peace and Justice. They support so many different causes. Um, Ben just recently came back. He was just in the Ukraine and he met with uh, President Zelensky. And, you know, he does so much. Uh, He does so much with the refugees as well. And so does Susan. And I just think that um, I believe that successful people should define success differently. Because truly, Mm -hmm. if you look at what is success, success Mm -hmm. is making sure that someone else's life is better. Success is using who you are and any kind of publicity that you might get to be able to shine the spotlight on causes that matter. And so when we're fortunate enough to work with people like Ben and Susan and Sean Penn and people like Penelope Cruz, who truly give up themselves and open up their pocketbooks, I'm always so grateful for that. What do you think characterizes you from all the rest? There's lots of PR companies and fabulous people all over the world, but there's something that does characterize you from the others. Do you think it's this passion and this giving back side of what you do? What else is it? I think giving back for sure. I think intention. I think purpose. We're grounded in purpose. And when we work with our clients, we're very much always thinking about why are we doing this? It goes back to how we started this conversation, which is the why. I don't believe in doing PR for the sake of PR. I want to make sure that we're working towards an objective or goal that's going to be meaningful for the person, for the brand, for the company. And so I think the difference for us is I'm always looking at, and we have so many tools in our toolbox, how can we use the tools that we truly have to make a meaningful impact to their business? And so I think some of it certainly is my ethos around cause and giving back and that that's important. But I think the other part of it is, is that We genuinely care about what the purpose is of why we're doing what we're doing. Absolutely. Okay. There's so much I want to talk about with you. I want to talk about your podcast, but let's start with that. You have a new podcast series and it's fantastic. I actually just listened to your most recent episode with two of your employees that have been with you. One, I think for 12 years, one for 13 years. What makes you such a great employer and what do they love about working with you? (laughs) I love that podcast, actually. Uh, We started the series of podcasts called Don't Just Talk, Say Something, because my slogan, my tagline from 20 years ago was Don't Just Talk, Say Something. And actually, it means more today (laughs) than it did back then, because I just feel there's so much noise out there and people are talking for the sake of talking or posting for the sake of posting. And I just think, just do it if you actually have something meaningful to say. Um, And so we started this podcast to be able to reflect on the last 20 years and all the amazing people that helped to get us here. And I had Rebecca and Lauren on the podcast who, to your point, have been with me for 13 years and 12 years, respectively. I believe probably it's the fact that I'm always thinking about their growth. I remember with Rebecca, she started as an account coordinator at NKPR. And as time went on and as she was moving up in her career, we always had the conversation about what else do you want to learn? What do you need to help you grow? And that's really important for me because I think that if you limit people's growth based on titles or capacity within your company, they're going to leave you. But if you're always thinking about what's important for them from a growth perspective and actually listen to them, then you carve out opportunities for them within your agency 
And as they're growing, you're growing as well. It has to be a two-way street. And I think that's Mm -hmm. probably um, why we've been able to keep a lot of our people for a long time is exactly that, is listening to what's important to them. And I look at Rebecca and she started as an account coordinator and now um, she's a senior vice president and overseeing our business development as well. And the same thing with Lauren, who's a vice president at NKPR as well. And I look at her growth and it's exactly that. It's, you know, what was important to her was different than Rebecca. For her, it was about Mm -hmm. giving her the autonomy, giving her the confidence to be autonomous and work and find her magic within the agency. And that's what she's been able to do. And I think that's part of it. You're celebrating a 20th anniversary. So congratulations, first of all. Oh, my God. What are some of the exciting things you have planned to celebrate this 20th anniversary? What are you going to be doing? (laughs) Well, the podcast was one of the things that we started for our 20th anniversary because we really wanted to celebrate all the people or certainly a great portion of the people that have helped get us here. The other thing that we're doing is we're having a big party by the time this airs, actually, I think um, the party would have happened on August 24th. We always do a big film festival countdown event. And with that event, we're also celebrating our 20th anniversary. So the fact that we can all celebrate in person now is super fun. And I'm hosting that in my home. The other thing that we're doing is wow. we're doing a lot of activations during the film festival. So we have the It House that we're doing with a lot of really cool sponsors. And we're celebrating Canada. I feel that in Canada, we have so much to be proud of. And we don't talk about it enough because as Canadians, we're very humble. But I want to this year very much shine a spotlight on Canadian companies and Canadians. And so this film festival for us is all about like cool Canadian companies and brands that we want to celebrate. So one is Joseph Ripkoff, who has been in business for 65 years. Another is this really cool entrepreneur um, who started Le Bonfie. It's a tea company and it's so chic and it's actually the best tea out there, but also a Canadian (laughs) company. And so we're really celebrating Canada and Canadian uh, brands. Artists for Peace and Justice this year, we're honoring Eric McCormick who's a great Canadian. And so you're going to see a common thread come from NKPR over the next couple of months, which is very much around uh, celebrating the people and the companies in our own backyard that we don't celebrate enough. So great. I want to say a few names and get your take on some of these incredible leaders that I know you've worked with, like George Strombopoulos, Strombo, who we would actually love to have on this show. If you're listening, George, uh, can you tell us about George and what it's been like working with him? Well, George is the best. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's so cute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've been working together on APJ, I want to say from the beginning. So probably um, 14 years now. And before that, I knew George uh, socially and we've worked together. George is probably one of the smartest people I know. He's so well-read. He knows everything there is to know about yes. um, almost anything, quite frankly, any topic. That's why he's such a great interviewer. He's just um, truly authentic and you know it. There's no nonsense. There's no BS with him. What you see is what you get. And I really appreciate that about him because now you find, you know, with social media, there's often this facade and the people that you see on social are often not exactly the same as when you meet them in person. And uh, with George, he is 100% authentic. Who you see on social media is exactly who you will meet in person. And he's yes. always so kind and so nice to everybody. 
Yes. And he's nice to women. And I remember that. And I know it's because he's always had a very close relationship with his mother. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. But he's just lovely to women, which is always a great thing. Well, his mother raised him. So we honored George at APJ a couple of years ago. And it was a surprise. He didn't know. And I brought out his mother and his sister. And I just remember (sighs) it was such an emotion. I mean, I might even start to cry talking about it, but it was such an emotional moment. Um, He loves his mother. He listens to his mother. He's like a really good boy. And I remember it reminds me so much of my relationship with my son, because when my son was born, I remember thinking, I just want to raise a really good human and a really good partner for the woman he ends up with or whoever he ends up with. And so for me, that was always really important. And so when I look at George, I often think of Justin because of the relationship that he has with his mother and how close they are. I love that. Other leaders that you've worked with, Caitlin Cronenberg. Can you tell us about Caitlin? Well, Caitlin's the sweetest person you will ever meet. (laughs) Um, I've known Caitlin for a long time when she just started her career. And I remember her first red carpet. And I knew very early on that she was going to be super successful. And the reason I knew that is because she always had such a strong work ethic and so nice. The most successful people are the ones that are always so kind to others. There's no attitude. There's no facade of entitlement. And that's Caitlin. Caitlin is absolutely genuine and so talented and always striving to learn and to be better and to be as good as she can be and nice to everybody. If you notice the common thread, kindness and being like nice, that is the common thread with a lot of people that I feel fortunate to be able to surround myself with. You have to meet my daughter one day, Lily Levrock. She's a super talented singer, musical theater performer. She's graduated from Sheridan and she's on her way to New York to do a master's of music theater and vocal performance. And she's a lot of these things you're saying, the hardest worker and beautiful and just a nice person who gives back all the time. So I got to introduce you one day when she's ready for someone (laughs) to promote her career. We've got to call you. I want to talk to you about some of your other celebrity clientele because it's really so impressive. And and I'd also love if you could describe the It House by the Producers Ball, which is happening, as mentioned before, every year at TIFF and is really your brainchild. If I call out a few names of some past It visitors, can you give me a few words about each of them? And I would love to start with one that reminds me of my daughter, and that's Natalie Portman. Stoic. Natalie is very wow. uh, stoic. Really? Yeah, wow. that's probably the word <laughs> mind when I think of Natalie. Wow. Poised, uh, stoic. Those are probably the two words that really come to mind with Natalie. She's, so cool. She's kind of what you see when you see her do interviews. Uh, very sweet and also very poised. Wow. What about Viola Davis? Love her. I love Viola Davis. I didn't meet Viola Davis, so I don't know, but I have to tell you, I love her. And she has a movie out this year during the film festival that I'm dying to see. So um, nice. maybe this year I'll get to meet her. I have not met Viola Davis. Dakota Johnson. Don't answer that just yet. We're going to go on a short commercial break. And when we come back, more with Natasha Kaufman and many of the celebrities that she's met and worked with when we come back, back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. 
In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. Hi, we are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio AM 740, FM 96.7. And we're here with PR maven Natasha Kaufman. And just before the break, we were talking about celebrities that she's met and worked with at TIFF and beyond. So Natasha, I was just asking you about Dakota Johnson. Oh, I love Dakota. She, to me, is probably one of my favorite style icons these days because she's just open to wearing whatever she's put in, if that makes any sense. And she wears it. She just (laughs) carries it so well. And also, I think what's interesting about her is she's more shy than you think she would be. There's a shyness about her. I think she's one of the most beautiful women out there. And I have a girlfriend of mine, Lucia Remedios, um, who I think looks just like her, actually. (laughs) But uh, Dakota Johnson is just absolutely stunning and beautiful. And there's a sweetness and shyness to her for sure. What about Mila Kunis? She's very funny because the first thing that she wanted, I think we had ice cream in the lounge at the time. And that was the first thing she was drawn towards. She went towards the ice cream. And a funny story about Mila is um, I have a little shop on our website called Shop NK. And we sell these ring to wrist uh, bracelets on the shop. And I never take mine off. And we were chatting and she saw it. And she's like, oh, I want that. Can I just have that <laughs> on your wrist? And it was actually quite funny. And I did. I took it off and I gave it to her. And it was <laughs> wonderful to actually see her wear it for her premiere uh, that same night. But she's wow. unapologetically just who she is. Like, there's no nonsense. It's just like she goes after what she wants and is very clear, wow. which you might not expect, but um, I appreciated it. Wow. Julianne Moore. Love her. Lovely. Julianne Moore is probably one of the nicest, uh, sweetest people you will ever meet, like the ultimate professional. And I think that's why she gets so much work. You know, directors and producers want to work with talent that will be easy and drama free. And when you look at Julianne Moore, she's in a lot of campaigns. She's in a lot of films. She's 62 now and she's always working. There's a reason for that. Because she's easy and drama free. And I think that's really important uh, for people that are in, whether it's business or the entertainment business, just to understand that people want to work with people that are talented, but also easy to work with. And, you know, if you look at, again, successful people, often it's because they're not difficult. And that's Mm -hmm. important to remember. So she's definitely someone that's very kind and very easy to work with, for sure. That's so cool. That's so true. Adrian Brody. (laughs) I love Adrian. He has great energy. Uh, He's been part of our events for many years, actually. He's been a big supporter of Artists for Peace and Justice. Uh, The best way to describe Adrian is he's a bit of a bro. He loves Mm -hmm. his buddies. Also, very easy. Great actor. Not sure what else to really say about him other than, um, you know, we're grateful for the support that he's given to uh, APJ over the years. Yes. Jared Leto. I mean, the word that comes to mind is he's beautiful. 
like absolutely <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stunning. Um, and I, I love the fact that he beats to the sound of his own drum. Uh-huh. That's really impressive. He doesn't seem to be pulled into the Hollywood machine too much. He still performs yes. with his band. He does some of the biggest blockbusters, but he seems to do it all on his terms. And I think that's important too. I feel for this industry to not eat you up, you have to mm-hmm. make sure that what you're doing, you're doing on your own terms. So if it's music that he loves and he loves to travel with his band and his brother, then you have to still do that. It's kind of like what Johnny Depp does with his music. You have to yes. really think about, you're not going to get everything out of your job. And I say this to my team all the time, like you can't expect for your job to fulfill every part of your life. You have to think about what are the other areas that are really meaningful to you and fuel your soul. And you yes. have to do that. And so it's the same thing when you think about actors is the most successful ones are also the ones that have figured out what are the other areas that they need to fulfill that will yes. feel meaningful for them. So true. What is the Vanity Fair party like? And do you have a great memory from being at a soiree of Vanity Fair? So it's interesting. I love Vanity Fair. We've done that party a couple of times. It's a great event, but I'm an introvert. So I very much will work the event. I'll definitely enjoy meeting the people that I'm meeting. But my favorite part of events are often to go home. <laughs> so, right? So totally. most people don't realize that about me. And I, you know, you asked that question early on about what makes me different than a lot of PR people out there. I think it's also the fact that I am an introvert. So mm-hmm. PR people traditionally, I think, love being out. They get their energy from events and being out there and meeting right, people and right. talking to people. It's the opposite for me. I love being at the office. I love doing the work. I'll go to events, but it depletes my energy. So I get my energy from alone time and being home. And so for me, the when I look think about all the parties during the film festival, I think they're great because of what they mean to the vibrancy of our city. I think they're great because of what it could mean for a brand or a company that participates. I love the energy at these events, but I'm also very much, I'm there to either do a job or I'm there to meet a few people because they're my clients. And then I'm also always very happy to just go home. And so we (laughs) don't get caught up in the party itself. It's more, what are we trying to accomplish? And I think that's why we get hired a lot to do so many events is because we're always thinking about the client and what they need us to accomplish and do at that event. And then once we're done, we're done. You're not partying, you're actually working. You're making the party fabulous for everyone else. That's so interesting. That's, I think, another huge secret to your success. You also create celebrity alignments and partnerships with your clients, such as Lobos 1707 and LeBron. Does that mean LeBron James? That means LeBron James. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. really cool. That's like freaking cool. Like my nephew, Lewis, would just be so excited about that. So can you tell us what that's like working with LeBron? Well, I mean, he's uh, bigger than life, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the entire premise around Lobos 1707 is very much grounded in being inclusive and making sure that you have as many people at the table and it's about inclusivity. And that represents LeBron. Like he is that, he is that person. Mm -hmm. He embodies that energy and that vibe. And so we were pretty excited when we got asked to do all the PR for Lobos and do the launch in Canada and introduce the brand to Canadians. Mm -hmm. And also the tequila is probably one of the smoothest tequilas out there. So the product is pretty great too. (laughs) But working with LeBron is amazing. Wow. 
Natasha, can you tell us about the campaign that you've been involved with for Flow Water? What a great brand with Halle Berry, Russell Westbrook, and Sean Mendez. So Flow Water is a really interesting story and a, and a great client. Nicholas Reichenbach approached me probably about six years ago now, maybe just a little bit more than that. He came into my office with a concept and a jug of water. And he's like, try this. And the concept was, you know, we can save the planet by putting this water into a Tetra Pak. And I remember tasting the water and I had a lot of experience with Bedford brands because we had done the PR for Fiji water for over a decade. And so, believe it or not, I can actually taste the difference between like a Fiji water or flow water or aquafina. And the (laughs) flow water was amazing because it had like almost a crispness to it because of the alkalinity. And I loved it. And so I invested in it and we did all the PR and we partnered and we did the collaboration with Hatley Berry and Sean Mendez and uh, Russell. And we helped IPO the company as well. And so it's, um, it's so fulfilling to watch a Canadian company achieve Mm -hmm. that type of uh, success. And then also working with them on how do we sustain that? Um, How do we help increase the distribution both in Canada and the US? It's a company that's very near and dear to my heart because I love the brand. I love what it means for the planet. And I have so much respect for Nicholas in um, his perseverance with the brand and the entrepreneur that he is. So those are the kinds of things I get to work on running my own PR company. I'm pretty lucky, but we also get to choose. We get to pick and choose who we work with. And that's exactly why I started the company in the first place. So cool. What is a typical day in life? I know you start at 6 a.m. I know you spin four times a week. I know you have a trainer and you get to your office by 930. You've already done your workout. So I find that impressive in itself. What is a typical day in the life of Natasha Kaufman? Well, you're right. I start my day. I wake up really early around six o'clock. And the first thing I do is I make coffee for my husband and myself. And I'm in (laughs) bed for about 30 minutes with my coffee. I need to start my day very quiet, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. so that my Mm -hmm. energy that type of energy kind of lends itself for the rest of the day. I get my workouts in first thing in the morning. These days, I'm not spinning as much. I'm doing Pilates. One of the things I found after COVID was I lost my strength. I I just didn't Mm -hmm. feel as strong. My body didn't feel as strong. I was doing a lot of walks. I wasn't necessarily spinning as much. And so I wanted to get my strength back. And so one of the things that I've been doing is doing Pilates three times a week. And that has been amazing in respect to strength. I get into the office and it's just meetings, 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 whether it's client meetings, whether it's internal meetings. I have found coming out of COVID, there is this need. We're doing a hybrid office these days where we're in the office Tuesdays and Thursdays, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we work from home. Nice. But I'm finding myself when we're in the office, there's this need to connect, you know, the C word, connect Mm -hmm. with the team and really use that time for creativity and connection. And so that happens quite a bit. It's very rare that you'll find me at lunch with a client. It's very rare that I'll even do dinners. It's just, I work through my lunches and I find myself doing the same thing with dinners. Let's say you have a meeting with Sean Mendes. He wants to be your client. So you're having a meeting. What would that look like? And and I'm sure it looks different since COVID, but would it be that someone comes to your office, there you are in the mahogany boardroom table with sterling silver pitchers of water? Like I'm just trying to get a visual of what happens. (laughs) I have a very wild imagination. (laughs) What happens when someone like Sean Mendes says, Natasha, I would love you to rep me. I would love you to, to work with me. What would that look like? Well, I think with Sean Mendez, it probably wouldn't be him coming to me. It might not even be me coming to him. Like I, these days, believe it or not, still so much happens over Zoom. Yeah. You're not yeah. seeing a lot of meetings happening anymore. 
But I believe you know, it was Sean. It's um, and I remember the first time we actually connected with Sean and Flow Water. We sent him water. That's actually what had happened. We nice. knew he was in Toronto. We sent him water. He loved it. Then he started buying the water himself. And then we're like, no, we can send it to you. And then he invested in the company. So sometimes wow. it just starts with like, let me send you the product and see if you like it. We're all about authenticity. So I believe that you want to make sure if you work with someone or you're doing an ambassador program with them on behalf of a client, they have to like the product. Otherwise, why do it? There's a lot mm-hmm. of people out there in the world that you can do programs with. Why do it with someone that actually isn't passionate about what you're doing or doesn't like the product? So for us, we always start with, do you like it? And then yes. you kind of go from there. You also do celebrity styling moments for your fashion clients, such as Ellie Mae and Sorel for Anna Kendrick, Lucy Hale, Barbara Palvin. And you've even worked with Megan Markle. What was that like? Well, um, Megan wore one of our clients. Do you remember that big engagement photo? that white coat that she wore. Well, she wore that coat. It was one of our clients' coats. It was line knitwear. And I remember the morning that she wore that coat, our client's website broke down because there were so many people (laughs) inquiring about that coat. Megan was definitely a big supporter of Canadian fashion, of Canadian designers. And I think that went certainly a long way in those early days because everyone was looking at what she's wearing, you know, where she's wearing it to. And so I think she actually did a lot for Canadian fashion in those early days, for sure. That's so cool. What was it like standing on that red circle and giving a TED Talk in 2018 on the importance of showing up for others? Was that a trip for you? It was terrifying. So I almost didn't agree to do it. I remember being asked to do a TED Talk And I had to think about it. And again, I looked at my tattoo that says, be brave. And I pushed myself to do it. And I also really wanted to make sure that whatever my TED talk was about, it was meaningful, that Mm -hmm. it felt important to me. And that's Mm -hmm. how I chose the topic of the importance of showing up. And so once I narrowed down the topic and once I really thought about like, what does this mean? And what is it that I want the takeaway to be? I was really proud of myself for doing that because I feel that showing up is one of the most important things that we can do and should do. And a lot of people don't realize that just being somewhere isn't actually showing up. Liking a post isn't actually showing up. Like really think about what that means and the impact that you're Mm -hmm. going to make. What does it mean when people show up for you? What does that look like? I think for me, it's about actual care. You know, how often do we really ask how someone's doing and genuinely care (laughs) what their answer is. So it's things like that. I think for me also, it's about giving back. Um, I don't ask for a lot from people, but I definitely go to my friends once or twice a year when it comes to giving back to Artists for Peace and Justice. And I'm always so grateful. That's an event that sells out within 24 hours because my friends show up and I'm appreciative because we've been able to raise so much money over the years because of that. Okay, so you got to explain to me how part of your brand is always to wear black. It's so funny because I always wear white. So I was laughing when I looked at all of your photos, even your wedding gown. And by the way, congratulations, you just got married. And I I don't know if you can see my wheel of life in the background. I'm a life coach, but I would say your wheel of life, if I was doing a coaching on you, I would say that you probably have 10 out of 10 in every wedge of your wheel right now. Like that's what it looks like to me, including your love life. So congratulations on that. But can you explain the black? Because you pull it off. Thank you. Why black? And it's all through even your wedding gown, which I think is going to start a trend that now brides are going to want black wedding gowns. 
Thank you. I feel most confident when I wear black. When I was in my early 20s, and I remember I did a lot of work for banks and financial institutions. And I just remember feeling like I didn't want any distraction with what I was wearing. And I had this uniform of black turtlenecks and black pants. And I just (laughs) felt my most confident self. It's the same reason why I won't wear a dress to a meeting. I only wear pants because I just feel most confident that way. And so I started listening to my body and how I feel best. And that's how black started. And it's interesting because I went from you know, my aesthetic, but how I dressed being all black. And that's in some ways how, um, you know, when Lantera approached me to do a 47 story building with my name on it called Natasha, the residences, one of the reasons I remember Mark saying that he chose me was because of my aesthetic and how clean it was and how there was sort of this like sleekness to it. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> okay, I'll, <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I've also mentioned that you're a major philanthropist and you always give back to Cambodge, big brothers, big sisters. What is the best part of giving back? Just knowing that you made a difference in someone's life. Mm -hmm. I think that's Mm -hmm. the biggest part. Just knowing that you've had some impact, whatever that is, because again, it goes back to the early days and your first question, the impact that the United Jewish Appeal had or strangers had when they came to help us in those early days that made a difference. And so for me, I just hope that whatever I'm doing, big or small, is making an impact. And I can see it with what we've done with our school in Haiti. I've been able to witness six graduating classes. One of the girls that I had met recently is now in nursing school. She never would have had that opportunity because there is no free education in Haiti beyond junior high school. And so I'm seeing the impact that we are making. And that's the hope is that we're making a difference in someone else's life. I love that you've created this initiative called 20 Hours of Kindness, because I always say with kindness, the person being kind feels good. The person they're being kind to feels good. And the third party onlooker feels good, too. It's such a win-win for everyone. Can you tell us about 20 Hours of Kindness, your initiative? Yeah, I started 20 Hours of Kindness because I wanted the team, because we have a very young team. We have kids that are you know, 21 years old, 25 years old, 28, 30, 32 they don't get back because they just don't necessarily know about it. And I just wanted them to be able to experience what it's like to be philanthropic in hopes that when they're doing it, they'll continue that, you know, as they continue to work at NKPR or as they move on, you know, to do other things. I want that to be important for them. Mm-hmm. And I remember years ago when we did this initiative and one of my colleagues that worked with me, we were volunteering at a soup kitchen and he had said, thank you so much for this opportunity because I had no idea that, regular people are in need of coming to the soup kitchen for their lunch. Like you just think that it's like homeless people, but it's not. It's just sometimes families that just can't afford to support their full family. And so they go to the soup kitchen to be able to get enough like food to be able to bring back to their family. And you just don't think about that. You know, we're so fortunate in so many ways. And so when you're exposed to that, you realize, wow, like I didn't know that there's this need. And you realize that you have to do your part to make a difference. And so that's why I started it. I just wanted the team to really feel what it's like to give back and continue doing it, whether they're working with me or wherever they are, that it just becomes part of who they are. That's really phenomenal. Like of all of the things, I think that's one of the coolest because you're making it accessible to people that might not be able to give back and do that philanthropy, but in a way that everyone can do it. It's really fabulous. What is the NKPR Women's Entrepreneurship Grant? It sounds fantastic. 
I started the grant as part of our 20th anniversary because I just feel like as female entrepreneurs, we don't get enough funding and sometimes we're overlooked. And so I created this grant program where we're giving away $10,000 in cash, but also $10,000 in services and time so that we can help a female entrepreneur build her business, either get it off the ground or contribute to its growth. And so we've had so many amazing missions. I'm not sure how I'm going to choose, but that was one of the reasons why I started. It's because at our, on our 20th anniversary, I thought I want to do something to be able to give back to female entrepreneurs. That's fabulous. You also have these mentorship moments. What are those? Well, I mentor a lot of people and I think that's important. And sometimes women will ask, well, how can I become a mentee? And I said, sometimes just asking. Uh, One of the (laughs) amazing women that I mentor, Ibuka, she sent me an email and I was so moved by her email. I'm like, absolutely, I'll mentor you. And six or seven years later, we'll do mentorship sessions, you know, four or five times a year and she's become a good friend. But I feel like you have to give back in that way as well. It's not always about raising money or donating funds. It's your time. And actually, our time is our biggest commodity. It's our biggest asset. So be really mindful of how you're going to spend it. So true. You spend time ricocheting from Toronto to New York to Los Angeles. What do you love about that? Well, New York taught me the hustle. My work ethic certainly comes from uh, my parents, but I would say it also comes from New York because, you know, the saying, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. It's true. Yes. The way you move and the way you hustle there, I found coming back to Toronto in many ways felt easier and easy-ish yes. because the competition in New York is just so great. And it teaches you how to work. Like mm-hmm. you start your day early, you end your day late, but you're going to meet the yes. most interesting people and you're going to feel overstimulated for sure but yes. not exhausted, if that makes any sense. Love that. And um, so I love New York. I just think it's, uh, to me, it's probably my favorite city in the world other than Toronto. I think Toronto is an amazing place to be. I like Los Angeles for different reasons. My husband's from California, born and raised. I like the entertainment industry in Los Angeles. I'm not sure it's where I would live. I'm probably an East Coast girl at heart. Um, yes. So I love you know my time between New York and Toronto probably the most. Wow, that's so cool. Who would be your dream client and what is your ultimate dream in this industry? Yeah, I mean, I think I have dream clients right now. I'm very, very lucky. I love Joseph Ripkoff and working with a brand that's been around for 65 years and has been celebrating women for 65 years. And it's a Canadian brand, which is globally distributed in 60 different countries. We work with brands like Samuelson, which has been around for 100 years, also a Canadian company. And then I look at brands like Le Bon Fee, where... It's driven and led by a female entrepreneur that just got started just over a year ago. And we've been fortunate enough to be part of the process from the very beginning. So I have my dream clients. I'm so grateful. And then the brands that come to us you know, on an ongoing basis, it's nice to be in a position to be able to pick and choose because it's not like my, my growth strategy isn't. I want to have, you know, 500 people working for me and I want, like, that's not my goal. My goal is to always continue to work with people that I'm connected to and work on brands that I feel passionate about. That's so fantastic. What is bliss for Natasha Kaufman? I think bliss for me is being home with my husband and my puppies (laughs) (laughs) and um, just really appreciating the life that I've been able to create Lovely. for myself. I think that's Lovely. ultimately, that's my bliss. I want to say congratulations to you on so many fronts, on the 20th anniversary, on your new wedding and marriage and life and all of it, really. 
really. You really are, I think, a bliss person. Like, I really think you're living it without a lot of fuss. You're just doing it and you get it. And it's great. It's really great. Yeah. Thank you so much. I feel that for sure. feel very grateful for the place that I'm in in my life right now. So lovely. What is the best way for people to contact you and connect with you on social media? And of course, to listen to your new podcast. Yeah, of course. At Natasha and KPR are my social handles and you can DM me on Instagram. I respond to all my DMs. I really love the platform. So I think the best way is probably at Natasha and KPR, or you can listen to the podcast on Spotify or Apple, basically anywhere you can stream podcasts, which is don't just talk, say something. Awesome. I want to thank you so much, Natasha, for being on the show today. It's really been delightful having you here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for the breathing at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More with Finding Your Bliss and we come back, back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. Hi, we are back and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. Each week we spotlight a singer, songwriter or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please reach out to us. And if you're an author, yoga, meditation or mindfulness expert, an artist or anyone really who has found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. Also, what did you love about today's show? Are there any guests or topics you would like us to feature on Finding Your Bliss? Write to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also a life coach. I'm a very good life coach. And if I can help you in any way, I would love to do so. Please reach out to me at findingyourbliss.com slash coaching. I'm also on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. And all you have to do is search up Judy Liebrach. And of course, you can always follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. I would like to thank our wonderful guest, Natasha Kaufman, for being on the show today. Also, thank you to Mag Ruffman, Siobhan Kylie, Lauren Kaminsky, producer and audio engineer, Nayira Amani, associate editor and video editor, Sierra Brown-Rodriguez, audio producer, Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. One of the things that Natasha loved about our show was the breath work that we did off the top. And by the way, we do that before every interview. We actually do a beautiful breathing sequence off the top before we film and record all of these interviews on this show. So I thought I would share a little bit of what I do before every interview and a little bit more just for you. So we're going to close out the show today with a short and sweet meditation. In our day-to-day life, we have so many to-dos, and one of them that we need to add to the list is just to breathe. So I'd love you all to just pause here, lean back in your chair, recline back, or if you have a mat, feel free to lie down on your mat or your bed, 
And just imagine letting everything go, letting go of the day and just letting it all go by taking in a nice deep inhale. And on the exhale, just imagine letting it all go. On the exhale, releasing it all. And now once again, take in a nice deep breath right in through your nose. Breathing in, holding it at the top, and then letting it all go in a beautiful exhale. And just think about lengthening the exhale here, elongating it, making it last, and letting go. And now one more beautiful breath right in through the nose, holding it for the count of four. Holding it at the top for another four. And then just think about breathing out slowly and evenly to the count of eight. All the way. Letting it go. A nice long exhale. And throughout your day, whenever you're feeling that it's just too much, that it's just a lot, just pause. And just even do that one to two minute breathing moment, wherever you are. Inhale in, exhale out, repeat. And then once again, just think about your breath as your anchor. And remember that just breathing can be such a luxury at times. So enjoy it to the full. Inhale, then exhale. And that's how you'll get through all of it. For everyone here, I'm Judy Lee Brack, reminding you all to breathe and take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.